message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. That's all right. You really don't have to do that. You really don't. Here he comes. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. You're my fam. And, uh, We've got something for you today. Are you ready to hear? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm fixing to go on vacation after today. I'll be gone for a few weeks. See you in six, seven, eight weeks. I don't know. I'm working vacation. Got speaking engagements and other things and want to work on a book if I can, whatever. So today, I'm just going to remind you of something. The guys asked me to speak about serving because that's what they're doing. They're big serving week. And I'm going to do that. So look at the person next to you and say, it's going to be good. Say, it's going to be good. But look at them and say, nothing new, nothing new, <laughs> nothing new today. It'll be a little redundant, but it's going to be fresh off, you know, off the stove. God gave it to me. So right now, we want to thank everybody out there watching. Wherever you're at, we love you and are glad that you chose to watch us today. We love all of you across the United States or wherever you're at. Continue to write us and tell us. And uh, love all our other campuses. Tehachapi, you're small, but we love you. And uh, Northwest, and something's going to be happening to the Southwest, and uh, atmosphere in Vegas. Let's just get down to work right now. And uh, yes, sir. Yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll talk after service, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, appreciate it, buddy. Uh, we got somebody wanting to give us a word here today. So uh, we'll wait for just a moment till we get this resolved. And uh, security's coming. Say, God's in control. Let's pray right now. Father God. I thank you today for everything. Thank you for the man that was just upset there. I thank you for him. Lord God, he had something he wanted to get off his chest. Bless him. Go with him. And uh, guide and lead us through this sermon right now. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Yes. If God is for us, who can be against us, huh? This morning... I was struggling with a speaking schedule in Vegas. I, I was scheduling speakers to be there on Sunday, and there's one Sunday I can't find anyone to speak. And I was struggling with it, and it was really a burden on my, on my shoulders. And about 7.30, Pastor Russell from Vegas texted me and said, Pastor, I can take June 18th if you want. That's Father's Day, and I already have a message. And it was just like a burden was taken off my shoulders. And I wrote him back. I said, praise God. Thank you. We need one another. We really need one another. 
It was a sigh of relief when this brother says, you know what, you got a need, I'm going to help you with it. This week on the podcast, we'll be discussing interdependence. And let me give you a definition for interdependence right now. And it says, it's the connection between two or more individuals or entities where they depend on each other to attain a common objective. The outcome of one affects the other. Now, for example, we have sports fans in here today. When you see a football player, a quarterback, and he wants to be successful, you know what? He needs to have some good tight ends and wide receivers. Because if they're not doing their job, he's not going to be successful, right? He's got to have them. The wide receivers, Cooper Cup's a friend of ours or an acquaintance. And for him to be a star wide receiver, he has to have a good quarterback. We depend upon one another. Marriage is an interdependent relationship. I want you that are married right now, look at your spouse and just say, I need you. I need you. We need our spouses to be faithful for our marriage to be successful. We need uh, them to meet our intimate needs because we've given ourselves to them. And we said, well, forsake all others. We, we need them to be there for us. Uh, we need them in all kinds of areas. The church is interdependent. We need one another. You know, God doesn't want you to be independent. He doesn't want you to know how to do everything. There's things he does not want you to be gifted in because he wants you to rely upon one of your brothers or sisters to help you. We need one another. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 and 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I wrote this to him. Okay, here it is. But each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For what reason? Why do you have a manifestation of the Spirit? Why do you have a gift from God for the common good? It says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. How does the word of wisdom come? Through the Spirit. Don't try to give it yourself. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Just as He wills. God has given us gifts and strengths and talents to help one another. For example, I need Pastor Steve Tedder. Pastor Steve Tedder, man, is always there for me. Uh, this weekend, so I want to send out a mass text. Would you help me? He's on vacation, but he says, you know what? No problem, Pastor. I'll do it. Steve Tedder encourages me. He's always just kind of like, ho, 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 ho. He's always happy. And I'm not always happy. So I need him. Pastor Tom Touchstone, we, we're doing pastor's retreat. We're bringing pastors from all the United States. I couldn't do it without him. Man, he knows how to get these people here. He knows how to influence them. Tom defends me. Uh, there was a homeless meeting at Town Hall a while back, and I, I find this comical. I probably shouldn't. But some dude was in the bathroom, man, and he's an influential guy in Bakersfield, man, and he was just trashing me. 
And Pastor Tom went up and said, what are you saying? What are you saying about him? And it got real ugly real quick. Tom said, that's my pastor. And I need people like that. Tom is always there. I can hear his voice when I'm going through something. He'll go, oh, pastor, don't let that get to you. Josh, he's my son, but he's my friend. He says, Dad, you need to get away. I got tickets to the baseball game, and we're going to go next month. You go, wait a minute, you're going to the Dodgers game? Haven't you heard? Oh, come on, let's don't go there, please. We're boycotting the Dodgers. Well, go ahead. If you feel you should do that, but you also need to, to boycott Target, and I'll give you something on Walmart. I'll give you something on Amazon. You better boycott them all. You're not going to be able to shop anymore when I get through. Give me time, and I'll find something wrong with Albertsons. I guarantee you. You're not going to be able to go anywhere. You're not going to be able to do anything. Do I applaud what they're doing? No, I don't. But I'm thanking God that they're going to have a Christian night, too, at the end of the month. And they're going to worship God, and people are going to, going to feel God's presence that never would have felt God's presence before, because God causes all things to work together for good. All things. I mean, I've got people I depend on and need. For example, where are you at, KB? We're going to, I'm going to take you back room. You want to see the back room? Come on with me. I'm going to take you back here. We got people that are running this place, uh, and I need them. Okay, Here's, here we are in the back room. Now look, here we go. You got all these people over here that's running the crew. Vince is getting out of the way real quick. You got Josh that's helping me out this morning, Johnny Rizzo, Joe, and then come on back here. Look at this. Some of you don't even know about this. TV stations would eat their heart out. Look at what's going on here. Hey, say hi, Tyler, Sandy, say hi. Everybody, and then let's go out here. We've got more people that we need to run a successful church. We have to have them. Here we got people. They're preparing the internet. They're getting ready for for preparing everything and making sure the sound goes out good over the internet. And then we've got a prayer room I'm walking through now. And look at this security team. There's a security team and people watching the back door, and then I'm coming right out here. Hey, Tom. Hey, Pastor Tom. God bless you. I just use you an illustration. You give me $15 or buy me lunch or something. <laughs> Good morning. morning. How, are How are you? Yes. We need those people back there. We couldn't do without them. Didn't need the guy here this morning, but you know what? Uh, God causes all things to work together for good. I'm kind of curious as what he's going to say now. Uh, maybe I needed to hear it. I'll have to find out from the ushers, and, and if, it's, if he's right on, I'll have to repent, all right? Now, uh, God wants us to need one another. He wants us to be interdependent. Now, I'm going to move quickly because i got a lot to say. Let's go to John chapter 13, and I want to show you something. I want to show you something. If you want to know or hear more about interdependence, watch our podcast Watch our podcast this week. Let's go to John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. I want you to see two things at the outset here right now. Number one, Jesus knew 
they didn't have long to live. He's down to hours. He knows he's going to die. It's not going to be a pleasant death. He knows that. He said, I'm going to depart. Look at this Greek word for depart. I love it. It says, I'm going to change places. I'm going to go from one place to another. <laughs> I'm going to retire from this work on earth. I love that. Well, what if we did funerals in a new way? For people that love God or are born-again Christians, what if we handle them like a graduation party? Put a cap and gown on the casket. I mean, for people that really love God and said, hey, have confetti come down as we take their body out. They've already gone. That's, that's just an earth suit. They've graduated to heaven. Wow. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. See what your first response is. What would you do if you knew you had less than a day or two to live? Would you go to Taco Bell and order one thing on the menu of everything? Just say, I'm going to die anyway. It can't hurt me. Maybe a parachute out of a plane, so I always want to do that or, or have a party. No, I don't think so. I think most of you would probably get your loved ones together. You say, I'm going home. You might spend, spend time praying for more time, say, God, give me a few more days, a few more days. I don't know what you would do exactly, but I think it's safe to say you'd get your loved ones together and you'd want them to be around. But what did Jesus do here? This is very intriguing. He, he said, I'm going to be leaving but I've got to leave a last impression upon my disciples. This is something I really don't want them to forget. Now, in the Bible, many of our forefathers did that. David and a lot of them. Before they would die, they'd gather their kids around their family and say, okay, I'm fixing to leave. David told Solomon, said, okay, I want you to take this guy out of the kingdom, get this guy out because he'll cause you problems. I want you to know that no matter what you go through, God will be there for you. He was giving him some last directives. Saying, I'm leaving, but I, I want to I make sure business is taken care of. Now, that is what Jesus did. He said, I've got one last chance to leave them with a lasting impression. And this is important for us today on, on Serve Week. Here it is. He said, the kingdom of God on earth revolves around loving and serving one another. Now, listen closely. You've got to get this down if you're taking notes. Jesus put others' needs above his own problems all the way to the end of life. He put others' needs ahead of his own problems. Hello, listen to me. All the way to the end of his life. Wow. And he's our model. He's our prototype. He's our example. Even on the cross, look what he was doing. I mean, he is nailed to a cross. And look what he's doing in John 19, 25 through 27. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by near, nearby, he said to his mother, Behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her in his own household. He is dying on a cross. And he goes, Mom, come here. You're going to be okay, Mom. John, come here. John, take care of Mom, would you? Mom, he's going to take care of you. You're going to be okay. This Savior of ours, our Lord God, Jesus Christ, our, 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 the Son of God, he was still taking care of business in his own pain, 
in the midst of his own problems. He's still serving other people. He served other people all the way to the end. Now, you can only live this way when you're confident of the reality of heaven, of eternal life. If you weren't here last week, I really recommend you listen to the sermon. It was living with eternity in view. Now, let's look at verse 2 through 5 in this text. I'm going to skip a lot of verses, but I'm going to give you the important ones. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God, he knew he was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments and taken a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. You know, I don't know if you can relate to this, but see, in those days, they wore sandals. They didn't wear Nike tennis shoes. And they were walking on dirty dirt roads all the time, and their feet would just get caked with dirt and mud. Have you ever had a time where you're out somewhere, and you get all dirty and filthy, and you get home, and you take a shower, and you go, ah, that feels so good to get all the dirt off. That's kind of the idea here. It was a, a custom of the day that when you went to visit someone or went into someone's house, that the servant, the first thing he would do is wash your feet. And we don't do that today because that's not our culture. It's not our customs. We equate this with just serving people in all kinds of different ways. And so Jesus, he took upon himself the role of a servant here in this story. I mean, again, he's going to die in a short time. And yet he's still serving people. He, he cares that these guys are refreshed. And so he takes up the role of a servant. Now, for years this has been my opinion. That very often when you're ministering to others, that's the very way you're going to get healed. When you're praying for healing of other people, very often that's when you get healed. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, Jesus was comfortable in his own skin. He had no problem with humbling, humbling himself to serve others. He didn't see that as a subservient role. T.D. Jake said something some time ago. He said, abused people find it hard to serve. Because the last time they put themselves in that kind of position, it didn't turn out good. So, in order for you to become a servant of God, you must first get healed. There's a process. There's a journey here. Today, I'm going to be challenging you at the end to get involved in service. But maybe before you can, you've got to go get healed of some stuff. And maybe that would be your first thing you need to do. Let's finish the text. I skipped through a lot of verses. But let's look at verse 12, 15, and 17. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you get it? Do, do, do you know? Do you know what I just did to you? Or do, do you get it? Are, are, is it registering? I'm trying to leave you with something here. Are, are, are you with me? He said, for I gave you an example that also you should do as I did to you. Now, we don't take that literally as foot washing. We don't do that anymore. But service, 
That's what he's talking about. If you know these things, you are, what does it say? You're what? What does it say? Say it loud. You're blessed if, 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 you're blessed if you do them. If you serve other people, you will be blessed. Now, I want to review that word blessed in the Greek. Look at it. It says, I don't think I gave this to the back room. I'll get it next to us. But it means supremely blessed, to be well off, to be envied. And I like this last definition in the Greek uh, dictionary. It says, to be happy. And you're going to be happy. Now, I find that very interesting because happiness has to do with haps, the haps of life. What is the definition of a hap? It's good fortune, it's luck, it's, it's happenstance. Uh, when the haps in life are good, you're happy. When the haps in life are bad, you're unhappy. Now, we know that joy trumps happiness, but that's not our subject right now. I want to stick with this happiness for a second. Uh, here is what I'm suggesting. God's saying to us, when you build your life around serving others and loving others, the haps in your life will change, and you'll be happy. Your life will start being blessed by God a lot more than it was before you started serving other people. Things will start happening in your life that weren't happening before you reprioritized life and built it around serving others. Now, that takes me right to where I want to go today, Isaiah chapter 58. Now, I know we pounded this thing, pounded it. I talk about it a lot. I know I'm redundant. But I've never really, and I'm not even going to get time to do it today, I've never really gone back and taught Isaiah 58 because in that chapter, it gives us 12 promises for people who serve God. And I haven't really had time to do that, and I won't have time today. But let's give it a shot and go as far as we can. We only got like 20 minutes left, 22, 23, somewhere in there. Isaiah 58 and 1. Cry loudly, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sin. Let's preach some repentance in the church. That guy, I I got that much out of that guy's mouth. He's you need to repent. Well, we all need to repent. For example, shacking up. You're shacking up. You need to repent and put a ring on the finger. That's God's word. That's God's will. If you're doing porn, you got to get serious. Get off of it now. God's giving you the strength. If you're gossiping, stop gossiping. If you're grumbling, repent, repent. When you're grumbling, that insults God. If you're whining, that's not good. If you're not giving, repent. If you're judging others, repent. If you're not serving, if you're not praying, if you're not forgiving, repent. It's time for some of you to rededicate your life to God, and it can happen today. Return and repent. Get back into a Bible study group, devotion, serving. Yeah, come back to God. Look at verse 2. 
Now, I know this is redundant, and I didn't give him verse 2. I was in a rush today, I'll tell you. I felt like I was in vacation mode. But verse 2 says, these people that I'm talking to, they seek me day by day, and they delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness. Duh. Hello. Let's stay here for a second. These people I'm talking to, man, they go, ah, you know what? I want, I want to know God more. I want God to start answering my prayers as if they're being righteous. You're not doing what I told them to do. Ah, as a nation has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. He said, come on, man, I need you to do your part. I need you to be obedient. I need you to repent. I'm going to say more about this as we go. Now, before I briefly look at 12 promises for people who are serving God and have repented of their sins and are living righteously, I want to say one more thing. Let's pray that our service to others comes out of our heart. And it's organic. Have you ever seen people that are serving because that's what they're supposed to do? They want to get brownie points with God? But it's got to come out of the love of our heart. I told you I was at a pastor's conference teaching a decade or two ago on evangelism in the 80s and how we evangelized the lost in our culture. And I had all my points and I, I delivered them. And after I got off the stage, an older pastor came up. He said, the first thing we have to do is get a burden for the lost. And I thought, gee, he just shot down everything I said. Because that's a starting point. We've got to get a burden for the lost. Now, we want to serve out of love. Love for God, love for others. Remember, he said, what you do to those, you do to me. Look at Romans 12, 9 through 11. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. See, we're told to give with a joyous heart. The Bible says if you can't give your tithes and offering with a joyous heart, don't give at all. God wants people to give out of their heart, and he wants people to love out of their heart. We should want to get involved here at church, and this is just part of serving God. We serve God in the community. There's all kinds of ways to serve God, but let's, let's look at the church for a second. Some of you, you need to go out and say, I want to work in the nursery. Why? Because I love other people. I know there's some new Christians in here, and they need to be in that sanctuary getting the word. And I want to be a part of taking care of their kids because I want to see them grow and I don't want them to be worried about their kids while they're out there listening. Greeters, they have to do it out of an, a heart of love saying, hey, I want people to come back to our church because we give the word here. We want them to hear it. So I'm going to try, try to make a good impression on them as soon as they come in and really love the people. Parking attendants, you know, we want them to have a good experience, man. And so we love people. We, we care about them. We want them to come back because they need to come back. Ushers, praying for people, prayer groups, I go on and on. Mighty men groups, we're saying, man, I'm here, not for me. I've got other things I could be doing with my time. But I'm here because I want to help these people on their journey. Some of them are newer Christians than me. I want to help them on the journey. I got a rhema for someone. 
There's some people in small groups that really need you. It's not about you. They need you. They need you because you, you have giftings and you have a heart that not everybody has. They need you. Now, the 12 promises that God gives us for those who turn from sin and start serving and loving others, I'm going to give these to you. I probably won't get through all 12. That's okay. Uh, I haven't left myself much time to talk about them, but let's, let's look at some real quickly, and I'm watching the clock, and we'll get out of here. Number one, when you give yourself to serving others, let me go back to Isaiah 58 for a second, though. He goes on and says, people want to be near me, but he said, they're playing church. They don't listen to what the pastor says. They're not obeying Scripture. They're not getting faithful. They're still living in their sins. And he said, these promises aren't for them, but for those who are really sincere, not perfect, We've talked about that a lot. For my sincere servants, these promises are for them. See, the Bible, all the, the promises in the Bible, they're not for people who are just living half-heartedly. That's for the people who have given God everything. Those promises are there, and they're true. And again, it's not perfection. We're going to fall. We're going to be imperfect. Uh, I've went over that so many times, I don't think I need to even go over it again. But let's look at some of these promises real quickly. Number one. Oh, let me go back. I didn't say what I was going to say about Isaiah. <laughs> he said, here's the deal. He said, if you really want to get my attention, if you really want me to be close to you, then go out and find the orphans, find the widows, find everybody that's hurting, and go out and help them and lead them to Christ and pray for them and put food on their table. He said, if you really want my attention... Stop playing church. Go out and fulfill the Great Commission. Go out and love those who are hurting. Go out and love those that life hasn't been real good to. And then you see what happens. Now, here's the promises if you do that. He said, if you do that, here's the promises. Number one, it says you'll have a new anointing. Verse 8 says, your light will break out like the dawn. You will bring light into a dark world. Can you give me permission to use myself as an example? Because all these things work for me. I'm always afraid I'm going to come up braggadocious, and I know I'm nothing, and God is everything. But my heart's desire for you is to see that these things all work in my life. And I, I need for you to see that. Is that okay? Can I, can I use myself a little bit as an example? Because if it doesn't work for me, why should I think it should work for you? It does. I mean, I'm amazed how God always gives me the right things to say at the right moment. I step back and I go, that didn't come from me. I don't know where that came from. Whether I'm at the store, or the gym, or the church lately, I've been going to people and encouraging them, giving them a verse and loving on them. They'll go, you wouldn't believe that's just what I needed. I was at the gym the other day and a young lady said hi to me and I went over to the machine and she came and got on the machine next to me. She said, I really don't want to use this machine. I just want to talk to you. I said, okay. She says, I just started coming, man, and she's probably here today, and I just got right with God. And right away, I said, you know what? When you get right with God, I want to tell you something. He's going to start removing things out of your life to put new things in. And she started getting all teary-eyed. She said, that's exactly what's happening. God, that's you. And it happens all the time. Annie Lobert. Annie is on our Vegas church. Good friend of mine, her and Oz. Oz is on Striper. And... Uh, she 
occasionally invites me out to the home where she has prostitutes that are coming out of the business. She has a home for them. And, and she says, Pastor Ron, give them a word because you're anointed. And I hate that when people do that sometimes, sometimes. I go, I'm not really ready to give everybody a word right now, you know. So I started giving people words, and I got into it. And the last lady I went to, I said, you know what? The devil's going to try to bring somebody back into your life, and this is a trick of the enemy. I said, does that make sense? And she goes, absolutely not. <laughs> God, I'm trying. And he put me on the spot. And so I left kind of discouraged, going, I'm not doing that anymore. Two days went by, and Annie called me. She you will not believe you thought that lady was in the program. She wasn't in the program. That was one of our counselors that you said that to. And I said, I did. She said, yesterday, her ex-boyfriend came back into her life, and he started trying to get her back into bad stuff, and she remembered your word that the devil was going to send someone back, and wow, Pastor Ron, you saved her. And I went, Phew. I said, that sure didn't come from me. I know that. See, why would God do this? Because the people you're serving need you to be a vessel of God. Now, be careful. This can really go bad quickly. Let it happen. Don't make it happen. I'm not telling you you're supposed to go out and get words for everybody. That'll make a good church go kooky quick. I got a word for you. Get a word for yourself. Not me. I'm just saying when the moment arises, you know what I mean? I'm not going around giving people words. Gee, I'd, be, I'd have been stoned a long time ago. Because you give them a word, it's not right. They're supposed to stone you and get you out of there. So I'm just saying, let it happen. Don't make it happen. Don't major on it. Just say, when I'm in those situations, I don't know what to do. God, I'm going to say, let's pray before I talk. Father God, help me right now. Number two, the second promise is your recovery will speedily spring forth. Look at Psalms 30. In the last part of verse 5, it says, Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. Can anybody say amen? amen? You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. That my soul may sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I'll give thanks to you forever. You'll be amazed at how quickly you heal up from life's painful ordeals. I mean, I see people who are walking the Spirit sometimes, and they lose a loved one, and my heart just bleeds for them, and I'll see them later, maybe three months later. I'll say, are you doing okay? And they'll say, remarkably so. I almost feel guilty because I'm being healed from my grief so quickly. Oh, it's a promise. Why? Because God doesn't want you to go around grieving because now you can't help the people you're supposed to be helping, right? So he's going to supernaturally help you. Number three, it says people will see your integrity. They'll see you're the real deal. People will come to you with their problems because they know you're the real deal. Get ready because they're going to come to you with their problems. I can't talk a lot about all of these because verse 8 says your righteousness will go before you. And then number four, it said God's glory will be your rear guard. That's in verse 8. People who want to destroy your reputation will fail. They'll fail. When the Navigation Center, before it went in down here, remember the big thing that hit the newspapers? Pastor Ron Vietti doesn't love the poor. That was a lie. That was a lie that some reporter came out and came up with with a conversation with me and her. I've never been in that place. The only thing that I objected to is I didn't want to make it too big 
because of our neighborhood. I want them to keep it a certain size. But they, they distorted that whole thing in light. You should have seen how nasty people were getting on the Internet. People used to go to church here. I cannot believe him. You know what? I have no more respect for him. I mean, it was all over the Internet. But you know what? It didn't succeed. Now we're on the board down there. We're going down there ministering. We're their friends. And that very year where everybody's blasted us, we got to be the favorite church for like 17th year in a row, play place to worship. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You didn't let them win. People will always try to ruin your reputation. When you get in, further you go up the ladder in the kingdom, the more they'll try to destroy your reputation. But you know what? They won't succeed. Because it says right here, the glory of the Lord will be the rear guard. Praise God. When we first started ministry, we started this church with 10 teenagers in my living room. And we had a habit. We'd turn the lights down low. And we'd listen to praise music. And we'd praise God. And I, I guess at some point in time, I don't know how this rumor started, but the rumor got out that we were having seances and orgies at my house. Well, if that was true, we would have a lot more than 10 people probably, <laughs> unfortunately. But I guess what happened, we turned the lights down to worship and praise the God. Uh, probably a little couple kissed one another on the cheek or whatever. They weren't making out. I would have stopped that right away. And so this rumor started. And you remember that story that time where I had been praying for months saying, Lord, I got a church going. Now I want to take the back seat and I want you in the front seat. Get somebody else for the front seat. And I prayed that like 20, 30 times in a week. God, I got a church going now. I don't want to be the pastor. I said, why don't you put me in the back seat and bring some other pastor in to be in the front seat, a real pastor, because I'm not a real pastor. And I prayed that. Put me in the back seat, bring somebody in for the front seat, da-da-da. One day I went to a meeting, and this guy was annoying. He said, thus saith the Lord, you, right now, come up here, point to me. He said, you shall not be in the back seat, but you shall be in the front seat, because through your ministry, thousands are going to come to the Lord. And then he said something interesting. He said, the devil will try to destroy you over and over again, but he will never succeed because the Spirit of God is upon you. And that's just what it's promised here. It goes right along with the promise that God's glory my rear guard. Number five. Prayers will be answered because God will be very close by your side. I'm not saying you'll get what you're asking for. I said he'll answer you and not live you in limbo. A lot of times he says no to your prayers, but that's an answer. Or he says yes, or he says maybe, or wait, or whatever. It just says here he'll be close by to communicate with you. Doesn't that make perfect sense? I mean... If you're out there doing his job and you're ministering and serving other people, he doesn't want the burden on, on your shoulders, your own burdens. He doesn't want you to carry them. He wants to come to him. It says in the Bible, cast your care in him because he cares for you. That's, that's not a, a scripture that abuses us. That, that helps us. And so he says, you're out there, you're my servant, so I'm going to be close to you and I'm going to tell you where you're going and what you're doing. I can't always answer your prayers the way you want them answered, but you know what? I'll let you know where you're going so you're not frustrated. And that's exactly what it says here. God will be very close to us. My prayer daily, daily. If you're in the car with me, I don't care if I'm going to the, to the grocery store or the gym or coming to the church. I say, God, right now I give you every burden I have. <clears throat> take them. And while I'm <coughs> out in the world, Bakersfield doing your will today, you take care of my problems. And I believe you to do it, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Number six, gloom will dissipate. Because verse 10 says, your light will shine in darkness. Your depression will not be able to stay there unless it's a physical thing. If it's a physical thing, it says in the promises too, he'll guide you to a doctor that will help you. I'm telling you, some of you battle with depression, some of you, not all of you. There's different reasons for depression. But some of you need to get out there and start serving someone else, and your depression would lift. It would leave. It would leave when you get out there and start serving other people and helping them. Your depression would leave. It says your gloom will dissipate. Your light will shine in darkness. Number seven, I can just mention these last three and we're out of here. He'll satisfy your desire in scorched places. Huh. What does that mean? You will be supernaturally content when you shouldn't be. You'll be supernaturally content when you shouldn't be. And this supernatural trait of contentment will keep you in a bad marriage when you want to leave. It'll keep you in a, in a, at a bad job when you want to leave. It'll keep you in a bad church when you want to leave. And as you stay there, God will be glorified. You'll have supernatural contentment. And you go, I know I shouldn't be putting up with this, but God hasn't told me to leave yet. And, you know, here I am, and I'm, I'm fine with it. Number eight, and I'm almost through, your bones will be strong. That's what it says. That just simply means you'll be able to bounce back from situations that destroy other people. Your bones won't break. You'll have a hard fall, and you'll get back up, and your bones won't break. What's devastating other people will not devastate you. You'll have a supernatural resilience. Why? Again, because God needs you out in the playing field, and he can't let you be down too long. And so if you're out there serving and loving God, he's going to do some of these things for you. Here's what I'm trying to say today as I close. I don't have time for the other ones. But... All the Bible's promises are for those who are servants of God. And for good reason. He has to keep his servants in service. So here's the deal. And again, I, don't, I wish I had time. Some of you say, well, I'm, it's not about perfection. You're going to sin every day. God, is, he'll forgive you. Just confess your sins and keep on going. Remember last week, I, I think it was last week, when I said the pure in heart shall see God. That means the unstained we get stained all the time, but immediately we go, Lord, I confess that, forgive me, and, and he cleans you up. So it's not about perfection at all. But if you're just totally, you know, giving yourself to God, if you're saying, I'm doing the best I can do, that, that's, okay, listen, that, that defines everything. You don't have to say I'm perfect, or you don't have to try to be perfect. How many of you today could say, I'm doing the best I can? So this is for you. All those promises are for you. And so here, you're to expect them. Uh, when you get in situations, you're going to start expecting God to give you the right words. Expect it. Put faith in it. When you're in a situation, somebody says, man, I'm hurting. I don't know what to do. Just pause. Say, right now I'm going to pray. Father God, you said that you would put the right words in my mouth. So right now, give me what I need to help this person. Man, you know, that's authentic. That, that's real. Number two, expect him to bring you out of dark places. You're in a dark place. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I got tickets to a ball game. You want to go? You go, ha, ha, that's God taking me out of a dark place. I know that. 
Wow, acknowledge him in all your ways. Expect people to, their attacks to fail. Expect them to fail. Don't, get, don't lose sleep at night. God said, my glory will be your rear guard. Just pray and say, God, those attacks will not work on me. Expect it. Say with me, I'm going to expect it. Expect to hear God when you pray. And be ready to receive whatever he says. Rebuke depression. I could go on and on and on. Repent. Get involved in serving. Start in simple ways. You know, some of you need to just start giving. Say, I'm going to start. In the next three months, my only goal is to give. Or my only goal is to be faithful in church and not miss for three whole months. That's where I'm going to start at. Uh, I'm going to start being an assistant Sunday school teacher. I'm not ready to teach all the time, but I'll give them my name. If they need an assistant, I'll fill in. Uh, small group. I'm going to get involved in a small group, and I can't go every week, but I'll commit to once a month. See, me, that's what I did. Right back here in a little Pentecostal church. I went in there, and I said, hey, I'll start mowing your lawns. I started mowing their lawns. I said, I'll drive your van and pick people up, and I drove the van. And then I said, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, uh, be an assistant Sunday school teacher. I, I, I don't know how to teach. You'll have to teach me to teach. And I started, and I was faithful to small things, and God gave me bigger things. Oh, I got so much more to say, but man, I, I'm, I'm there. It's over. It's done. I planted the seeds. Nothing new, right? Be ready. I'm coming back eight or ten weeks with all kinds of new stuff. But today the guys asked me, so would you speak on serving? I said, I'll speak on serving. This is our serve week. Could you give us something? I said, yeah. Did you hear God say anything? He wants to bless you. Now listen to me. He wants to bless you. But you're not putting yourself in a position where he can do that. God's a father. Remember when we used to give our kids chores and we'd give them allowance? I think that needs to come back. I think it needs to come back. That's training for the kingdom of heaven. And say, hey, make your bed and take out the trash. Do this and I will give you allowance. If you don't do it, I won't give you an allowance. That's part of good parental training. And hold their feet to the fire. Don't let them. I mean, a lot of you, you know, you're producing kids that aren't going to be real productive in the adult world if you don't change some ways. Don't bail them out of everything. Tough love. Well, I got so much more to say. I could talk all day. Uh, we don't have all day. Your roast is going to burn if I keep you any longer. I'm going to miss you guys a lot. I, I say that, but I just need rest. I know that where I'm at, I need rest. But you got some great speakers. We got four or five fantastic speakers coming in here. You don't want to miss. So I'll be back in, I don't know, in eight weeks, something like that. And I'll be on fire. So let's pray this right here, Father God. Give us a heart to serve others. And let us do it out of love. Out of love. Lord, we need one another. We're not to be independent. Lord, there's certain things you don't even want to gift us with because you want us to need others. We got to know our weaknesses. So right now, Lord, I just said enough. I'm planted the seed. I'm going to put in the hearts of the people. If you're not here today and you want to get born again, just lift your hand up. Say, I want to get right with God. I'm not right with God, Pastor. Anybody in the house? And I'll just pray with you real quick. Uh, 
Yeah, God bless you. I see that. Anybody else? I want to be born again today. I want to, yeah, God bless you, sweetheart. Anybody else? Just raise your hands. I want to be born again. Everybody in the house on the internet, pray this prayer with me and say, Lord God, send the Holy Spirit. Come and live in my body. And give me the power I need to become a new person. By faith, I'll receive your spirit today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you here, there, in the air. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.